Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, Christina. Hi, Chelsea. How you doing? Um, I'm pretty good. Yeah. I hopefully so- don't sound too flummy because I just downed a whole glass of milk. Oh, huh. I thought you were going to say because you were sick. And I'm like, no. No, please. Germs, germs can't touch this. Germs fear and revere you. Yes. I am their god. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we like, so our body is full of germs. Yes. Technically speaking, like 10% of the cells in your body are not your cells. Right. So like, am I We're God like, to them? I don't know. It's kind of is weird because that- it's like, it, it, to, to put it into terms you would understand, it's kind of like <laughs> you are the turtle that they live upon. I love how you're like, let me let me dumb this down for you, Chelsea, so that you can understand. Well, no, I, was, I know, I know, I know. I was putting <laughs> into Discworld terms because I thought I that's what you would you would uh, resonate with the most deeply. I mean, that's fair. But I just the, the way you said it was just so fucking funny. Like, oh, you poor little you art poor, major. Let me you let me art explain. Person. Yeah, let me explain let me explain this to you the wonderful worlds of science. I love science. My thing is no, all I about science today, actually. Which nice. Is fun. Yeah, so My get ready for me to fuck that up. Isn't about I, science I know. today? You mentioned you mentioned to me that uh, you 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 what did I what did I say to you, Chelsea? Let's go through. Let's role play this. Okay. What happened? Okay, hang on. Let me let me go back from to your the text. perspective. What was the experience? Uh, you literally the first thing you asked was, "Am I going first tomorrow?" And I said yes, and you said, "Okay, good." And I immediately was just like, "Oh no." <laughs> like immediately my thoughts were oh no um by and the way this is Colts cryptids conspiracies the podcast chelsea and christina where yes where where me christina and her chelsea talk about uh strange wondrous and sometimes creepy things that exist in our world sometimes they're true sometimes they're not sometimes they might be we just don't know yeah the mysteries of the universe but Mysteries of the Universe 1 was already taken, and 2 isn't quite as nice alliteration. And also, some things aren't really mysterious. Like, we do talk yeah. about some crap that's like, we talk about cults a lot. We do. And I those really aren't really like mysterious. Cults. We know why they happen. We know. We know. <laughs> um, yeah. But mostly I just like talking about weird shit. My thing today is just weird shit. It goes in Mine, that category. I got a conspiracy, and I think it's a real good one. <sighs> Yeah, but apparently there's lots of murder. Yeah, but it's a real good conspiracy. Oh god. Oh, it's so good. Do we have anything? Do we have any corrections? That do is we... an excellent question. Um, I don't remember seeing any correction. Maya sent us like <laughs> Maya's so great. I love Maya her. Live. Our Canadian correspondent Maya Live tweeted listening to our last episode. So yeah, <laughs> it's so great. Also, she um, she made a bingo card. <laughs> yes, she also insinuated that she was potentially going to start writing transcripts of some podcast episodes yeah which might be great if any of you listeners have like hearing impaired friends who you think really like conspiracies or something like that that might be really cool Mm -hmm. um 
or just if you have no idea what we're saying at any given moment. Which also could happen because Which also uh, could happen. we were just talking about how my my mic kind of fucking sucks. We'll make it better. We'll make it work. She said, Maya says, I so- I'm sorry I sound like a crazy person. You don't sound like a crazy person. Like, come on. Really? This, this is podcast? a group. This is a group of crazy people. This, That's is, group- like, this is like crazy person group therapy. Yeah, I was about to say, this is a group therapy session that we are in control of. Yeah. And no one else gets to talk. No. Well, they do get to email us, though. They do get to email us. You can only communicate via tweets and emails. Yes. If you know uh, smoke signals, we will accept that also. If we can find, yeah. I mean, I don't go outside enough for smoke signals. You have windows. They're they're usually closed, mostly because of the fucking cat. What do you, you don't need windows to be open to see through them, Chelsea. The cat likes the window being closed more than open so that she can fuck with the blinds. Right. And I just what want I'm her s- to be happy. <laughs> what I'm saying is you. Oh, so the blinds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because windows also open and close. Oh, I know. We actually can't open the like actually open the window that much because we're afraid that her fat ass will like fall out. Aww. It's got a scream, but I feel like she's fat enough that she could like push against it and just pop it out. Oh, she fat. Baby. She's very pretty. Best, she's very best cute. kind of cat. Best she's so fat. Cat. She's not nearly as fat as Oreo. <laughs> Oreo is so fat. I don't know if any cat could be as fat he, as Oreo. He carries it regally. He does. My I have cat to say. Oreo, we lovingly call him double stuffed. We should post um, a picture of Oreo. I should post a picture of Stitches on the Twitter. It's just all cats from now on. This all is Colts, Cryptids, Conspiracies, Cats. Um, all, it goes with the theme. Yeah. It's one of our many spinoff podcasts. Yes. Um, but yes, if we don't have corrections... Uh, not that I can see. Not that I remember. Except for we did get some people being like, where's the podcast? I, and I was, <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I was super busy. Oh, uh, that is true. Yeah, yeah we recorded, we, we recorded on time, but it ended yeah. up getting edited late because Chelsea has like a real person job. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a real person job. It doesn't sort of. feel like a real person you job. You play Switch most of the time, I feel. Like I just don't. based on your anecdotes, you play Switch mo- much of I the really time. I really don't. I use. I'm working like all the time. I played Switch like on my lunch break or whatever. It's so great though. Um, do we want to just kick this off? Do let's, we want me to? Yeah, let's, take us. Let's let's have you take us into Bummerstown. Yay! Uh, Bummerstown, USA, of which I am the mayor. You are the mayor. You're the fucking queen of the goddamn country that Bummerstown is in. Yes. It's not in the U.S. Well, maybe. Well, because it's not it's not really confined to just the United States. It's a liminal space. It's a pocket dimension. It exists wherever you're listening to this right now. Yeah. And you are the queen of that space of Bummersville. And we're here and we're starting and I'm going to begin, Chelsea, Do it. Do it. by telling you three separate stories. Okay. Of murder most foul. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're gonna go to nineteen eighty. Uh mm-hmm. everybody's got great hair. The best hair. Um, freaking leg warmers are in style. Like the music's pretty synth heavy. You can't um, fit through doorways with your shoulder pads. Nope, it's there's a lot going on. But this is August 9th, nineteen eighty. Okay. And Kelly Drew and her boyfriend Timothy Hack, both of whom are 19, were going from a wedding reception to a nearby carnival to meet friends. Um, I don't remember if I ever say where this happened 
and nope, I never wrote it down where this occurred. See, this I believe is why it was it's Louisiana. great to have all of my tabs open because then I have all of that information right at my fingertips. Not that I can always find it, but it's yeah, there. <laughs> it's the it's the 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 double edged sword here. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find it really quick. I'll edit okay. this pause out because I'm in control of that now. Wisconsin. Okay. This is in Wisconsin. Sullivan, Wisconsin. All right. Um, so, yes, they're going to a carnival after a wedding reception, but they never show up hmm. on this cold, presumably it's August and Wisconsin night. Uh, August is not cold. In Wisconsin? I don't think so. Do you know? No. Unless a person from Wisconsin tells me it's not cold, I'm going to say it's cold. Fuck. Fine. Ha ha. Um, so the next day, when they had still not been seen, both were reported missing. And their bodies were found seven weeks later. Yay. Timothy had been stabbed multiple times. Holy fuck. And Kelly had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Okay, right off the bat. This is fun. Right off the bat. We're kicking into it. This is sentence four. Yay. Um, I'm so happy you're doing this. Yep. So great. Because it had been seven weeks, their bodies were pretty badly decomposed. And despite police investigating multiple leads, no one was charged. A suspect was briefly questioned about a suspicious bloody nose that he had around the time of the murders, but he was like, uh, I got this from a deer hunting accident, and they're like, oh, okay. Oh, right, we live in Wisconsin. That's oh, right, we live in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, so the case was cold. No one was ever charged. It was cold for almost 30 years. Fuck. Then, in 2007, DNA submitted to the lab from the case, um, there was DNA that they f- they were able to isolate from the case that they submitted to a lab. Mm-hmm. A person was tracked down based on this DNA and interviewed. A man okay. named Edward Edwards. Oh, yes. good. First that name, sounds last like a serial name, killer name. Edward Edwards had been working as a handyman at the reception hall where the wedding reception had taken place decades before. In 2009, he was found. A DNA sample was taken. And Edwards was questioned about the events of 1980. He said he couldn't remember the couple because it had been 30 years. The investigators asked him if he ever went deer hunting. And Edwards, confused by the line of questioning, said no, he'd never been deer hunting. And the investigators were like, huh, that's strange. Because in 1980, you said that's how you got a bloody nose. The DNA simple was a match. Edwards was tried and convicted for both murders. Shit. Story two. We're fast forwarding to May 6th, 1993. I love that that twist at the end that you had there. Yes, it was. I liked it as well. Um, May May 6th, 1993. The bodies of three boys were found in Robin Hood Hills in West Memphis, Arkansas. The eight-year-old boys were all naked and bound with their own shoelaces, and they were found dumped in a drainage canal. One of the boys had several lacerations and clear signs of genital mutilation. Officers James Sudbury and Steve Jones claimed there was, there some, was some kind of a cult motivation behind the murders. And they immediately suspected Lothal goth kid Damien Eccles. If you remember, this is the story of the West Memphis Three. Oh, I fuck. told you I was bringing this back. Yeah, you did. You did. Sudbury claimed that Damien's history of mental health problems and the fact that he, and I quote, likes to read books by Stephen King 
made him a prime suspect. Whatever, Stevie King's fucking awesome. A local waitress named Vicky Hutcherson also thought the killings were cult-related because this was during the height of Satanic Panic, or mm-hmm. the tail end of it, but whatever. Right. And her neighbor, Jesse Miss Kelly, was just weird enough to be responsible. He was friends with Damien, and he said that Damien, quote, drank blood and stuff. And stuff. And stuff. The police questioned the 17-year-old Jesse Miss Kelly for hours, alone, without his parents present. Jesse, who had a reported IQ of 72, mm-hmm. confessed that he, Damien, and another boy were responsible for the murders. Damien and his friend Jason Baldwin um, and Jesse, Miss Kelly, were charged and convicted of the three murders, despite Jesse recanting his confession and all the boys proclaiming their innocence at the time. They um, each serve, yeah? Does it say how long he was in interrogation before he confessed? confessed? Uh, it was like... If I remember correctly, it was something like he was interrogated for, like, 12 hours. That should be fucking illegal! It should be, but the police can hold you for, like, 48 hours without uh, without I charging. I know. Something like that. Um, so they each served 18 years in prison before being released with an Alfred pre- plea, basically saying that they are innocent, but the court had enough evidence to convict them. Yeah, it's so fucking stupid. As of today, they are all free. Yeah. Third story. On October 31st, 2005, a woman named Teresa Hallbuck went missing after photographing a car at the lot of Avery's Auto Salvage in Manawak County, Wisconsin. We're back in Wisconsin. Oh, good. Days later, Teresa's car was found by members of a volunteer search party at the Avery lot. Bloodstains inside the car were reported to match that of Stephen Avery, one of the owners who lived on the property. If you recall... Wait. This is the Stephen Avery from Netflix's Making a Murderer. Oh, okay. Fragments of burned bone, which was identified to be Teresa's, were also found near Stephen's house. Mm-hmm. Avery, who just spent 18 years in prison after being falsely convicted for a sexual assault charge, uh, again, falsely convicted, spent 18 years in prison That's for fucking it. Fucking insane. He had just been released two years previous and was in the middle of a lawsuit against the county police department about his wrongful conviction. He immediately claimed it was a frame job. Yeah. The whole Teresa thing. Right. Because of the lawsuit, the Manawak Sheriff's deputies should not have been allowed to investigate the case due to a conflict of interest. Um, And the neighboring uh, Calumet County Sheriff's Department had been given jurisdiction over the case. However... Manawak officers were on the scene investigating anyway. Of course they were. Avery's lawyer investigated the evidence from Avery's previous conviction and found a sample of blood that had been taken during that time. The vial was unsealed and had a puncture hole in the top of it. So police questioned- sketchy as fuck. Yeah, that's basically, that's part of their, the whole, like- defense for Stephen Avery was that it was the police framing him because his lawsuit against them was worth several million dollars. Yeah. It was like $36 million or and something. And didn't they, it was literally like, didn't they just turn down his uh, plea for a retrial? Yep. Like literally just like a month yeah, ago? Yeah, this is, this is an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, so police questioned Stephen Avery's nephew, Brandon Dassey. And although the 16-year-old had a reported IQ in the borderline deficiency range, he was interrogated by the police for several hours without legal representation or parents present. 
So, uh, was, oh my god, it's just so frustrating because that should be so fucking illegal. It should be, yeah. Uh, he confessed that he aided in the rape and murder of Teresa Halbuck along with his uncle, but almost immediately recanted his confession after. Yeah. Both Brendan and Stephen were charged with Teresa's murder, and despite their claims of innocence, both, both were found guilty. Brendan was sentenced to life in prison, but his conviction was overturned in 2016. Okay. However, the state justice department blocked his release pending a hearing, and he is yet to be released. Ugh. As of the time of this reading, he is still in prison. That's so ugh. Uh, Stephen Avery was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and is still in prison despite multiple appeals of, quote, ineffective assistance of counsel, Brady violations, and affidavits by experts debunking the manner in which Teresa Halbach was killed, including new evidence and uh, prosecutorial can't even talk the prosecution words ethical violations oh okay that's what i was trying to say okay so i've just told you these three stories according to a recent conspiracy there is something in common with all three of these what would you guess it is um police like police mishandlement or whatever nope Okay, what? According to a recent conspiracy, Edward Edwards committed all three of these murders. What? Yep. Okay. You've got Here's me. where we go. We're in Bummersville. We're here. I'm going to talk right. to you about Edward Wayne Edwards, the serial Whoa. killer you've never heard of. Sweet. Okay, I'm down. Let's do this. All right. Edwards, who was born in 1933, was a career criminal and a drifter who traveled extensively across the country working as a handyman, ship docker, and various other odd jobs. From his early teens, he committed burglaries and fraud. In 1955, he was arrested for burglary, but escaped prison before being charged. He was caught in 1956 and spent four years in prison. In 1959, he was released and immediately taken to Portland to stand trial for two armed robberies that he'd committed in 1956. Jesus he was sentenced... To five years of probation and was arrested in 1960 for turning in a false fire alarm. He then broke out of jail again. Ah. In 1961, he was put on the FBI's most wanted list. And in 1962, he was sentenced to 16 years in Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. 62, you said? 16 in 1962, yes. Okay. However, he was paroled in 1967. So only Ugh. did... Five of those years. Yeah. From 1971 to 1973, he toured as a speaker on prison reform <laughs> okay. and published a book about his rehabilitation called The Metamorphosis of a Criminal, The True Life Story of Ed Edwards. Where is this fucking book? <laughs> Listen, bookstores near you. Hang on. I'm looking at Amazon right now. I want to see how much this book is, but go on. Okay. Um, in 1982, he was arrested in Pennsylvania for arson and was released four years later. Between then, he lived a relatively quiet life until 2009 when he was arrested for the double murder of, uh, Timothy and Kelly. Mm -hmm. He was tried and convicted and sentenced to nine months in prison before, well, he was trying, he spent nine months in prison before dying of natural causes in 2011 at the age of 77. So he is dead now. I just want to, I just want to point out, uh, I don't know where edward's book is but there is a book on amazon 
called It's Me, Edward Wayne Edwards, The Serial Killer You've Never Heard Of. That book was written by retired homicide detective John, John Cameron, Cameron. Yep. who I'm now going to talk about extensively. Oh, sweet. That that segued quite nicely. Excellent. So, so yeah, you can buy that book on Amazon. John Cameron investigated Edward Edward for years. Um, and according to him, Edwards may be one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Because the murders of Kelly Drew and Timothy Hack, known as the Sweetheart Murders... Um, besides those, Edwards was convicted of the murders of Billy Lavaco, Judy Straub, and his adopted son, Danny Boy Edwards. Wow. John Cameron Wait, he killed his own adopted son? What a his fucking own bastard. Son? It was an insurance fraud thing. Holy fuck! Yeah, he literally killed his adopted son so that he could claim the insurance policy they'd taken out on him. How old was the kid? Um, I think he was in, like, his late teens. If I remember correctly, he had just gone on a military service. Oh, my God. So he oh might have been God. late teens, early 20s. That's... Holy shit. Yeah. So he, like, raised this kid and then fucking killed him for insurance money? Edward Edwards. Holy fuck. So John Cameron believes that Edwards has not, on, uh, has not only killed these people, but he has killed hundreds of times. And not only that, but that he has set up other people to take the fall for these crimes. Apparently that's part, because serial killers, part of what makes a serial killer a serial killer is not only that they kill multiple people, but it's that they do it in a similar way and they have a sort of ritualistic, like, motive about it. And accordingly, Edwards's MO is that certain crimes he will linger through the investigation of the crime and attempt to frame other people for it. Jesus. Um, so Cameron believes that not only is Edwards responsible for the Teresa Halbuck and West Memphis murders, but he's also responsible for the Northern California Zodiac murders. Mm, we, I mean, I'm probably going to do Zodiac at some point because I've, I've grown up with a fascination with the Zodiac killings, but I'm we're pretty sure we know who did the Zodiac killings. Are we, though? Okay. I mean, That's not part Ted Cruz, but also, yeah, Ted Cruz. Listen, I'm <laughs> Ted Cruz. Um, I'm very willing to say that, like, I'm up for debate and, and everything. I'm yeah. not per totally convinced about who the Zodiac killer is, but John Cameron 100% believes that the Zodiac, the Zodiac killer is Edward Edwards. I would actually like to recant my Ted Cruz is, a, is the Zodiac killer joke because Ted Cruz acknowledged the joke and like made fun of himself. And I'm like, all right, it's dead. We it's can't, dead now. We can't, we can't keep anymore. going. Nope. As soon as he says it, it's no longer pure. Yeah. He ruins everything, including memes about himself. Like, fuck that guy. It's terrible. It was a wholesome meme that he ruined. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so um, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Um, on January 2nd, 1956, Lloyd Dwayne Bogle, 18, and Patricia Kal uh, Kalitsky, or Kalitsky, not entirely certain, 16, were shot and killed on Lover's Lane in Wadsdorf Park near Great Falls. Uh, does that sound familiar at all to another young couple who went missing? Edwards was in the city in the time. In his book, Edwards, his, the book that he wrote, his autobiography, right. he detailed spending three years near Deer Lodge, in Deer Lodge Prison, Montana, after a series of gas station robberies. The following is a quote from John Cameron. Mm -hmm. I pulled his records because I worked in Deer Lodge Prison for the paro parole board. 
I placed Ed in Great Falls through his records on the day we had a couple on Lover's Lane executed. I confronted him by letter asking him to confess. It turned into a writing game for nine months until Edwards' death. Him leading, uh, leading me to open my eyes and look at the big picture. The Zodiac was just a small part of what he had done. Within the first two months of the investigation, I knew he was a Zodiac killer because he solved, uh, we solved his identity cipher, uh, which was the coded message sent to San Francisco media by the Zodiac killer. And he mm. responded by letter claiming to know the Zodiac killer. The Zodiac killer wanted to be the most evil criminal mastermind. That's why he sent the puzzles, teasing us right. with his intelligence. Yeah. According to Cameron, Edwards was a ritual killer who murdered on important dates in his life, such as holidays and his mother's birthday. Edwards was also known to reappear the scene of his crimes. He had a fascination with the investigation of his murders. For many of his crimes, Edwards lingered in the area and attempted to steer police sus sus uh, suspicions towards other people. Um, so, for example, in 1960, three men were arrested and charged with the murder of 19-year-old sweethearts Beverly Allen and Larry Payton. Larry had been stabbed 23 times, and Beverly had been raped and strangled. God damn. There was also a bullet hole in the windshield of Larry's car. Two of the med men, Eddie Jorgensen and Robert Brom, were paroled only after three and seven years, respectively. The idea here being the case against them was so thin that even though they were convicted, no one believed they actually did it. Right. So police had arrested a man named Edward Edwards after Larry, uh, Larry Payton's body was found. And at the time, Edwards had a bullet wound in his arm. The fuck? According to Edwards, his girlfriend had shot him. Okay, sure. According to several investigators, Edwards had been shot by Larry Payton, who was known to carry a gun and may have fought his killer. Yeah. And again, it was a bullet hole in the windshield of his car. Yep. But what does this have to do with Stephen Avery in the West Memphis Three, you ask? Both of these cases were highly publicized in the Netflix series Making a Murderer and the HBO documentary series Paradise Lost 1 through 3. Yeah. Edward Edwards, who is known to linger on the investigations of his crimes and is suspected of framing other people for the murders he committed, is in both of these documentaries. Holy fuck, really? Yeah. Uh, around okay, I've never actually seen, I know, it's like, I'm going to get several angry responses for this, but I've never actually seen Making a Murderer. It's real good. I know. So, like, now I have to fucking watch it just to look out for Edward. Yeah, I'm going to send you a couple of pictures. Okay, we actually have to remember to put these on Twitter, because we, I feel like every podcast, we're like, we gotta put this on Twitter. We have forgotten the last, like, four times to put whatever it is we needed to put on Twitter on Twitter. You're not wrong. We're bad at that. We are. So, Chelsea? Yeah? Of the document I provided you? I would like you to scroll down to page four. Page four. Are these your fucking page notes? Page four, the document I provided. Yes. God damn it. Like, you're so organized. I don't... I do my best. Okay. All right. That man, that old wrinkly man... In the orange jumpsuit. In a prison uniform. Yes, okay. that is Edward Edwards. Okay. At the time of his incarceration. Okay. Soak that image in. Okay. Instill it into your brain. Okay. I don't want to, but Okay. Okay. About 38 minutes into Paradise Lost, the documentary, uh -huh. the parents of a murdered child visit his grave. In the background of this scene, an elderly man walks into frame. Please scroll down to the second image on page five. You mean the guy that looks like a really fat version of uh, the creator of Jurassic Park? Yes. Yeah, okay. Does this, the, the idea here being that that man 
is Edward Edwards. Is Edward Edwards. Uh, hang on. I'm just looking. I'm looking. I think it's hard because, like, this man has a beard. But, yes, that man does have a beard. But it's believable. I don't know. But all um, white men look the same to me, so I don't know. But it, it is believable. In episode six of Making a Murderer, about 12 minutes into the show, two lawyers are having a conversation in the hallway of the courthouse. In the background of this scene, a man appears standing near the door in clear view of the camera. Yeah. Please scroll down to the first image on page five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I'm, like, comparing now. I mean, I can see it. Both of these men, according to John Cameron, are Edward Edwards. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, to my eyes, the appearance, especially between... Because the, the image from Paradise Lost is kind of fuzzy. Mm -hmm. This man wasn't in the focus of the shot. Uh, he was in the background. So the image I have of him is pretty, like, eh, fuzzy. But the one from Making a Murderer mm -hmm. looks a lot like him. Yeah, the problem for me is that all old white men kind of look the same. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they look like the same person. But also they all look like old white men. They do. Look like old white men. You're correct. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy really looks like the fat version of the creator of Jurassic Park, though. I can't remember his name. Wait, from Paradise it. Lost? Oh, my God. Wait. Savannah's going to kill me. Go on. Savannah's going to kill me because I can't remember okay. the actor's name, but go on. Um, I actually don't have a lot more. Um, oh. So the timelines taken from Edwards' own biography place him in Wisconsin at the time of Teresa Hallbach's murder. And tie him to the murders in West Memphis. The book also places him in Northern California during the time of the Zodiac murders, if you're willing to go down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. In total, John Cameron believes that Edward Edwards is responsible for the death of 500 people. That's a lot of Which dead would people. make him one of the most, if not the most, prolific serial killers in history. Yeah. Uh, included in the people that is are potentially suspected to be Edwards's victims is John Benet Ramsey, Chandra Levy, Lacey Peterson, and Elizabeth Short, aka the Black Dahlia. Okay, I'm still pretty convinced Scott killed his wife. Uh, though I have heard evidence to the contrary, I still kind of think Scott did it. Uh, John Benet. I'm convinced her brother did it. Yeah, there's a lot with John Bonet. Yeah. Um, like, there's a lot of theories about what exactly happened with John Bonet Ramsey, who was yeah. a uh, six year old beauty pageant winner yeah. who was found murdered in her basement by yeah. a neighbor. No, uh, she was found by her dad. Well, no, her a neighbor found officially. It was a neighbor who, when the the dad saw that she was missing, they found the ransom note. Right. They called the neighbors. The neighbors came over and searched the house, and it was the neighbor who found her in the I basement. I thought it was the dad who found her in the basement. Nope. Okay. It's been a while since I've looked into it. The The dad was with the neighbor, but the neighbor found her. Okay. That's that's the story from John Benet Ramsey. Um, but supposedly, according to J John Cameron, it was Edward Edwards, who has a history of framing other people for his crimes. Right. Um. Definitely, I don't believe that Stephen Avery is guilty of Teresa Hallbach's murder because a lot of the evidence that was found was found, like, there was a, uh, the key to her car was found in his house uh -huh. on the fourth search of the house, and it was sitting in the middle of the floor. That's, uh, that's weird. 
Yeah, there was. there's literally no reason it would not have been seen in earlier searches, and no one but the police was allowed into the house while they were searching it. Yep, that's so, weird. So, that's weird. Um, again, the one of their largest pieces of evidence connecting him to the crime of Teresa Halbach's murder was his blood found in the car. Mm-hmm. But as I said, they found a tampered with vial of his blood uh, right. from from the evidence box from his previous conviction. Right. So, like... That was accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, a, and accordingly, Edward Edwards, known murderer, definitely 100% known murderer, right. was in Wisconsin at the, or not Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. I was right. Was in Wisconsin at the time. Um, and apparently he did have a tendency to kill people who had names that were also significant to his life. Teresa was one of those. Um, okay. So, like... And then the, we know for a fact the West Memphis Three were not guilty of right. the crime that they were convicted of. Right. Um, so the true murderer of those children was never found. And it's entirely possible that somebody could have steered the investigation in some way towards these kids. That's, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> there's just a bunch of, there's a bunch of crimes of similar motive. Because, like, especially... The sweetheart murders that he that Edwards definitely went down for, and the two murders um, of the the two on Lovers Lane, the Lovers Lane murders. Uh huh. Those have a very similar because it's again it's a young couple. the The man in the couple was stabbed multiple times, and the woman was assaulted and strangled. Mm-hmm. And in the second case, three men took the fall for that, but the the case against them was so weak that they were paroled after like five years yeah so an fbi investigator says it's all edwards all right uh that was horrifying yep thanks for making me have to sit through that you're welcome you're not sorry at all no i'm not this fascinates me i mean it's fascinating it's just like fucking sexual assault is just always sexual assault no it's it's terrible it's disgusting it's super i'm glad edwards is dead I wish that he'd been prison longer before he died. Yeah, because I wish he'd um, been prosecuted for more of these crimes that he apparently committed. Uh, some of them, there's definitely, which, yeah, of the he was he was went he went in for five murders. Yeah, um, he is suspected of at least three more. Yeah, like with some with some amount of certitude, and apparently hundreds other ones could be tangentially tied to him based on his behavior, his mo. And his, like, timeline of where he's lived throughout his life in his book. I would like John Cameron, if you are still alive, to come on this podcast and explain yourself. He's put a video up. There's a really good video that he's put up um, where he discusses his belief that Edward Edwards is the murderer of Teresa Hallbuck. It came out just after Making a Murderer. Yeah. Um, If you Google Edward Edwards Making a Murderer, you will find it. It's one of the first things. And it's an interview with John Cameron where he explains his entire reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was horrifying. Thanks for that. What's the takeaway from this story? The takeaway is that Edward Edwards has killed literally everyone. I guess the takeaway is that if you have an unsolved murder in your town, maybe it was Edward Edwards. It might have been Edward Edwards. I guess there's a pretty good chance that it might have been Edward Edwards. That's the takeaway. All unsolved murders are now murders by Edward Edwards. Yeah. I mean, with Um, a name like that, like, fuck. I just, what first drew me to this was because I had watched the Paradise Lost documentaries uh-huh. and someone was like, Edward Edwards is in, in that documentary. And I was like, who the hell is Edward Edwards? 
And then I was like, how have I never heard of this dude? Yeah. He's crazy. He's a crazy person. Yeah. And the fact that he's in allegedly in both documentaries is like the ballsiest thing I've ever heard. Right. That is pretty ballsy. Because it's so, oh my God. Because there's like, um, I'm pretty sure there's another case that's suspected to have been him where he was interviewed by the local news in the newspaper Uh about it. Like he- he was giving stuff so like his picture is in the local newspaper about the case. Uh-huh. And it's just like, dude. Dude. This is like the the ballsiest serial killer ever. Oh, also like horrifying. Like who fucking kills their own kid? Who kills their own kid? Seriously, who fucking does that? I mm. Yeah, it's like I said it was an insurance thing. Um they suspected him of it, but they didn't have a lot of proof for it immediately. It wasn't until he was arrested in 2009. Uh, he was arrested in 2009 and formally charged in 2010 that they were able to get, like, him to confess to a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And also they finally were able to get, like, the DNA evidence and everything they needed to prove that he was responsible for five murders. Fucking A. Yeah. Everyone, before you die... Confess everything on your deathbed. Deathbed confession. That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. Confess everything on your deathbed. Everything. Like, what's the point? You're gonna die. Who fucking cares? We want to know. We gotta know. Who did you kill? Gotta know. Leave. It's like maybe you don't know when you're gonna die. That's fine. Leave it written down somewhere. I realize what I'm saying here. I don't care. But leave it written down somewhere. And like a fucking safety deposit box. Incriminate yourself. And a fucking safety Incriminate yourself box. for your murders. Yeah. I just, I want to know. I just want to know. That's all. That's it. I just want to know. But yeah, that's that's what I brought for you here today. Um, thank you everyone for coming to me on this journey to Bummersville. Uh-huh. Population Chelsea you. right now. Oh, well, yeah. I always live here. Listen. Yeah. This is my yeah, domain. I know. I know. I rule over this you place. rule this land. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, mine's not nearly <laughs> as much of a bummer, so, because I'm not rude. Um, there's a lot of, well, okay, so here's the thing, there's a lot of things I want to do, but, like, all of them are bummers, and as soon as you sent me that text, like, hey, do I go first tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, and you're like, okay, good. I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> now, now I gotta <laughs> find something that's ne- not nearly as upsetting. Listen, I am very good at being ominous. Yeah, you are. So I I went searching on the Reddits for some some feedback. Uh and I found something. Oh ho ho ho. I found something. What have you brought? And us? I have brought you split brain syndrome. Split brain syndrome? Yes. Is that the thing with the hemispheres? Yes. Oh, yes. So split brain is a lay term to describe the result when the corpus callosum, which is like this this thing in your brain, connecting the two hemispheres of the brain is severed to some degree. It is an association of symptoms produced by disruption of or interference with the connection between the hemispheres of the brain. The surgical operation to produce this condition involves transection of the corpus callosum and is usually a last resort to treat refractory epilepsy. So, like, super terrible epilepsy. Initially, right. partial 
callosotomies, which is what they're called, are performed. If this operation does not succeed, a complete callostomy is performed to mitigate the risk of accidental physical injury by reducing the severity and violence of epileptic seizures. And the thing is, apparently it fucking works. So, like... Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's... Well, it's great for seizure victims. Yeah. So, before using callostomies, epilepsy is instead treated through pharmaceutical means, and after surgery, neurophysical assessments are often performed. So, the thing is... They started doing these, the first patient, they call him, what do they call him, patient WJ, was the first patient to undergo a full corpus callostomy in 1962, after undergoing 15 years of convulsions resulting from grand mal seizures. Eesh. Yeah. Uh, he was a World War II paratrooper who was injured at 30 years old during a bombing raid jump over the Netherlands, and again at a prison camp following his first injury. After returning home, he began to suffer from blackouts in which he would not remember what he was doing or where and how or when he got there. At age 37, he suffered his first generalized convulsion. One of his worst episodes occurred in 1953 when he suffered a series of convulsions lasting for many days. During these convulsions, his left side would go numb and he would recover quickly, but after the series of convulsions, he never regained a complete feeling on his left side. Jeez, yikes. Before his surgery, both hemispheres functioned and interacted normally. His sensory and motor functions were normal aside from slight hypothesia, and he could correctly identify and understand visual stimuli presented to both sides of his visual field. During his surgery in 1962, his surgeons determined that no massa intermedia had developed and he had undergone atrophy in the part of the right frontal lobe exposed during the procedure. His operation was a great success, leading to a decrease in the frequency and intensity of his seizures. So that was patient one. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind that this is not something that they just do on a whim. No, this is like a last resort kind of thing. This is like your seizures are so fucking bad, like you're going to either kill yourself or like possibly physically harm someone else because they're so violent. And this is a last resort for us because everything else has not worked. And also like your quality of life probably sucks if you're having multi-day convulsions. Yes, I would think so. So there's... There's a lot of debate, like, okay, so then you split that part of the brain. What happens? So when split brain patients are shown an image on their only in their left visual field, the left half of what both eyes take in, they cannot vocally name what they have seen. This can be explained in three steps. One, the images seen in the left visual field is sent only to the right side of the brain. And two, for most people, the speech control center is on the left side of the brain. And three... Communication between the two sides of the brain is inhibited. Thus, the patient cannot say out loud the name of what, of that which the right brain is seeing. In the case that is speech control centers on the right side of the brain, the image must now be presented to only the right visual field to achieve the same effect. So it's basically saying, like, if you had this procedure done, and then let's say they covered up your left eye, or right, what fucking, this is my left eye. They covered up your left eye. Yeah. So only your right eye could see it, and let's say your your communication center was in the left side of your brain. Because if you don't if you don't remember this from biology when you were a kid, uh for some reason everything is crossed in your brain. So like usually what it is is like the right side of you is actually controlled by the left side of your brain, and the left side of you is controlled by the right side of your brain. Because bodies are fucking weird. The exception to that is your ears. Ears are don't you cross hemispheres. That's even yeah, fucking weirder. <laughs> it's super weird. Doesn't make any sense. But your ears don't cross hemispheres. Literally everything else does. That's so fucking weird. Anyway, so uh, you're shown something with only your right eye, but your language centers in the left side of your brain. You... Well, that would if you're. You mean if you're shown anything with your left eye? 
Because the left eye, the image is going to your right side of your brain. Yeah, that's what I, yes. You said right eye. I know. I said left. I said right and then left. You said right eye, left brain. Yes. You're being shown it with your left eye. I was, okay, wait, let me, let me start over. Okay. If your, if your image is seen, and you, the, let's say, okay, so let's say, so, okay, in this, in this one, it was your, I was just trying to give another example that was basically the same. So it's like, right, your language center, your verbal communication center is in the right side of your brain. Right. So, but you are then shown something with only your right eye, which is then yes. projected into your left hemisphere. You can't verbally say what the thing is. You can't verbally announce what that is because that information is stored in a different part of your brain. Right. This tracks. Yes. Right. If a split brain patient is touching a mysterious object with only the left hand while also receiving no visual cues in the right visual field, the patient cannot say out loud the name of that which the right side of the brain is perceiving. This can be explained in three steps. One, each cerebral hemisphere of the primary somo... Okay, this is when it gets real sciencey and I don't understand things, kind of. Each cer cerebral hemisphere of the primary somatosensory cortex, whatever, only contains a tactile representation of the opposite contralateral side of the body. Two, for most humans, the speech control center is on the left side of the brain. And three, communication between the two sides of the brain is inhibited. In the case that the speech control center is on the right side of the brain, the object must now be touched by it. So it's saying, like, for most people, our speech center is on the left side of our brain, but some people, they do have it on the right side. I guess it depends. They said it depends, like, on possibly what language you speak, which does kind of make sense. That's interesting. Yeah. That's kind of been a reoccurring theme in this podcast is how your ability to speak and how your language affects your perception of things. Yeah. Because um, one interesting thing is that swear words are not stored in the same part of your brain as regular language. No shit. Which is why a lot of people, like expletives in general, just aren't. Which is a lot, why a lot of people, when they're surprised or when they're afraid or when they're hurt, mm -hmm. will still swear even if they can't form other words. Right. Why is, why isn't like, and, and here, like, and it's because we're conditioned to basically think of those words as completely differently from the rest of the language. Yes. Because those words are more emotional, so they're actually stored in the emotional part of our brain as opposed to the language center. Okay. Because they're so tied with strong emotion. All right. So, um, there's, so the problem with this is I had to get a lot of science-y articles for it, and I don't understand most of them. This is going to be a slightly short podcast because I don't understand a lot of the research that I had to, to look up. I, my brain was, like, turning off as I was reading. Listen. Like wandering. Last last time we gave them a two hour long one. We That's can give true. them a short one this week. That's true. My brain. I'm like trying to read these papers. And my brain is just like wandering. Like it doesn't want to read about itself. I like, know. Oh, fuck this. I'm out. It doesn't want to know. Yeah. So there's uh, an article in Psychology Today. I can't remember if Psychology Today is actually like reputable or not. I feel like it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, after split brain surgery, the two hemispheres do not exchange information as effectively as before. The impairment can result in split brain syndrome, a condition where the separation of the hemispheres affects behavior and agency. Michael Gazenga, what the fuck, and Roger Sperry, the first to study split brains in humans, found that several patients who had undergone a complete uh, callostomy suffered from split brain syndrome. 
In patients with split brain syndrome, the right hemisphere, which controls the left hand and foot, acts independently of the left hemisphere and the person's ability to make rational decisions. This can give rise to a kind of split personality in which the left hemisphere gives orders that reflect the person's rational goals, whereas the right hemisphere issues conflicting demands that reveal hidden desires. Gazings, Gazinga, yep, Gazinga, and Sperry's split brain research is now legendary. One of their child participants, Paul S., had a fully functional language center in both hemispheres. This allowed the researchers to question each side of the brain. When they asked the right side what their patient wanted to be when he grew up, he replied, an automobile racer. When they posed the same question to the left, however, he responded, a draftsman. Another patient pulled down his pants with the left hand and back up with the right in a continuing struggle. On a different occasion, the same patient's left hand made an attempt to strike the unsuspecting wife as the right hand grabbed the villainous limp to stop it. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Split personality. This is some yeah. freaking, like, what's Jekyll that? The, I was thinking Jekyll and Hyde, but I was also just in my brain, I was imagining Jim Carrey from Liar Liar with the claw. <laughs> it's the claw! I'm also thinking of Two-Face. That too. Yeah. yeah. Split personality is a rare consequence of the split brain. In some cases, impaired interhemispheric communication leaves personality intact, but still allows people to use the two hemispheres to complete independent intellectual tasks. An MRI scan of a savant, Kim Peek, who I'll talk more about later, who lent inspiration for the fictional character Raymond Babbitt, played by Dustin Hoffman in the movie Rain Man, revealed an absence of the corpus callosum, the anterior, yep, anterior commissura and hippocampal commissure, fuck, the three cables for information transfer between hemispheres. As a consequence of this complete split, Peak, who sadly died last year, this is in 2012, was 20, he died in 2011, was able to simultaneously read both pages of an open book and retain the information. Like, how fucking crazy That's is that? That's pretty neat. So yeah, and he's also here, Kim Peak was arguably the, the, the note, bleh. Kim Peek was arguably the most well-known savant. He was born on November 11th, 1951, with an enlarged head and cephalocele. I'm not even going to try to figure out what the fuck that word's supposed to be. Okay. A malformed cerebellum and an absence of a corpus callosum, and both the anterior and posterior commensures, which is what the article was saying. He was able to memorize over 9,000 books and information from approximately 15 subject areas. These include world, American history, sports, movies, geography, actors, and actresses, the Bible, church history, literature, classical music, area codes, zip codes of the United States, television stations serving these areas, and step-by-step directions within any major U.S. city despite these abilities. He only had an IQ of 87, which was not diagnosed as autistic and was unable to button his shirt and had difficulties performing everyday tasks. The missing structures of his brain have yet to be linked to his increased abilities, but they can be linked to his ability to read pages of a book in 8 to 10 seconds. He is able to split his vision so that each eye reads its corresponding page, allowing him to read both pages at once. He also did, had developed language areas in both hemispheres, something very uncommon in split brain patients. Language is a process in areas of the temporal lobe and most commonly on the left side of the brain and involves a contralateral transfer of information before the brain can process what is being read. In Peake's case, there was no transferability. This is what led to his development of language centers in each hemisphere. Many believe this is the reason behind his extremely fast reading capabilities. While Peake did not undergo corpus callostomy, he is considered a natural split brain patient and is critical to understanding the importance of the corpus callosum. So they're basically using this to try and figure out, like, how the fuck the human brain works, because we still don't know. There's so many like weird stuff with the brain that we do not understand they even said that like if 
in like a baby somehow loses like half their brain. Yeah. The other half of their brain will still develop to cope with that. Yeah. And like there was a dude, uh famous famous dude Phineas Gage had a freaking rail spike go through his brain which took out a quarter of his frontal lobe mm-hmm. and he lived for like 15 years after that. That's crazy. Like brains are bananas and the things that they will do to compensate for like a lack of like if he was born with a lack of communication between his his hemispheres Mm -hmm. him his brain was probably like okay we'll just put we'll just grow another one of those communication things yeah we'll just learn language twice i guess (laughs) i guess so today hemisphere interaction can be studied using devices that measure the electric or magnetic fields surrounding the skull Unlike split brain surgery, these techniques are non-invasive. A team of researchers from UC Santa Barbara, led by Gazaniga, I still don't know how to pronounce this man's name, Gazaniga, recently tested information at transfer using MEG. Language is processed in areas of the temporal lobe on the left side of the head. When you read with your left eye, the information first ends up on the right hemisphere and must be transferred to the left hemisphere via the corpus callosum to be processed. To test the efficiency of the hemispheric transfer, the researchers showed a randomized list of words and nonsense words to the left or right eye of a number of research patients. They then measured how effectively the subjects would be able to distinguish words from nonsense words. The study showed that subjects were significantly more efficient in determining the nature of the strings of letters when the information was fed directly to the left hemisphere via the right eye. Apparently, the brain has difficulties processing information that has to travel long distances. Researchers didn't compare both eye exposure to single eye exposure. At first glance, it may seem like it would be an advantage to get information from both eyes. However, one can also imagine that the hemispheric transfer has a hampering effect on language processing. If this is true, you might want to wear a pirate eye patch covering your left eye when completing the verbal section of the GRE. At the very least, be careful not to shut your right eye while under time pressure. Oh, wow. So there's a a life hack for you. That's such a... Have you ever tried the dominant eye thing? no the test to see which one is your dominant eye i haven't um what you do is with both eyes open you make a circle with your fingers Mm -hmm. and then you just put something in the distance in that circle so for me i'm gonna do my webcam okay so you do that with both eyes open and then you close one eye and when i close my right eye it's still in the circle my webcam when i close my left eye it moves oh yeah oh yeah same so that's how you figure out which one's your dominant eye. For me, it's my left eye. Yeah. So, like, okay. So, it's in the circle. But it has to be something in, like, the semi-distance. It can't be, like, right in front of you. Yeah, I'm going to do, like, I'm going to do that. So that, it's the same when I close my left eye. But it's different when I close my right eye. So you are, you are left eye dominant as well, in that case. Interesting. 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 I'm I'm freaking. I'm not a brain doctor. I don't know. Wait, the but science. it's the it's the eye that it doesn't move, right? The eye that it does not move when you close one is your dominant eye because so that's my, the eye that's my right eye is dominant. The, you said that it didn't. It did change when you closed your right eye. Oh yeah, yeah. so that means your right eye dominant. Yeah. You're yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, wait. Okay, so your right eye dominant, which makes sense because your left brain uh-huh. is supposedly your more. Like, that's the more creative one, you'd say? I think so, yeah. And then your right brain's the logic one? Yeah. So you're you're all logical? I'm, I'm logic brain. Yeah, that makes sense. Here I am. Hello. 
So fun, fun thing to try at home. So despite all of this research, a new research study contradicts the established view that so-called split brain patients have a split consciousness. Instead, the researchers behind the study, led by UVA psychologist Yair Pinto, have found strong evidence showing that despite being characterized by little to no communication between the right and left brain hemispheres, split brain does not cause two independent consciousness, conscious perceivers in one brain. The results are published in the latest edition of the journal Brain. So, like, these are fucking science, scientific journals that's, like, so bear with me here. Split brain is a lay term to describe the result of a corpus callistotomy, a surgical procedure first performed in the 1940s. What? 1950? What? Wait. It says 1940s, but this says that patient one was in, let's see, 1962. Interesting. Okay. Mm, conflicting sources. To alleviate severe epilepsy among patients. During this procedure, the corpus callosum, a bundle of neural... Neural fibers connecting the left and right cerebral hemispheres is severed to prevent the spread of epileptic activity between the two brain halves. Well, mo- Just before yeah. you keep going, I think it's cerebral. Cerebral? What am I saying? Cerebral. Cerebral. Okay. I mean, you're right. I think. You're right. I'm saying it wrong. That's me. That's my bad. Okay. I just wanted to, I, I think that's what it is. I just wanted to say. Cerebral. Yeah. No, you're totally right. While most successful in relieving epilepsy, the procedure also virtually eliminates all communication between the uh, cerebral hemispheres, thereby resulting in a split brain. The co- this condition was made famous by the work of the Nobel laureate Roger Sperry and Michael Gazaniga. Gaz- Gazaniga. Every time you say this guy's name, it's, it's different. different, and I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea what his name is, because every time you say it, it's different. <laughs> it's G-A-Z-Z-A-N-I-G-A. Uh, Gazzy? Sure. His name's call him Gazzy. Michael. His name's Michael. Mikey boy. <laughs> yeah. And their uh, canonical work, Sperry and Michael, discovered that split brain patients can only respond to stimuli in the right visual field with their left hand and vice versa. This was taken as evidence that severing the corpus callosum causes each hemisphere to gain its own consciousness. For their study, Pinto and his fellow researchers conducted a series of tests on two patients who had undergone a full callistotomy. In one of the tests, the patients were placed in front of a screen and shown various objects displayed in several locations. The patients were then asked to confirm whether an object appeared and to indicate its location. In another test, they had to correctly name the object they had seen. Notorious difficulty among split brain patients. Our main aim was to determine whether the patients performed better when responding to the left visual field with their left hand instead of their right hand and vice versa, says Pinto, assistant professor of cognitive psychology. This question was based on the textbook notion of two independent conscious agents, one experiencing the left visual field and controlling the left hand and one experiencing the right visual field and controlling the right hand. To the researchers' surprise, the patients were able to respond to the stimuli throughout the entire visual field with all the response types, left hand, right hand, and verbally. Pinto. The patients could accurately indicate whether an object was present in the left visual field and pinpoint its location, even when they responded with the right hand or verbally. This despite the fact that their cerebral hemispheres can hardly communicate with each other and do so at perhaps one bit per second, which is less than a normal conversion. I was so surprised that I decided to repeat the experiment several more times with all types of control. According to Pinto, the results present clear evidence for unity of consciousness in split-brain patients. The established view of split-brain patients implies that physical connections transmitting massive amounts of information are indispensable for unverified consciousness, i.e. one conscious agent 
one brain. Our findings, however, reveal that although the two hemispheres are completely insulated from each other, the brain as a whole is still able to produce only one conscious agent. This directly contradicts current orthodoxy and highlights the complexity of unified consciousness. So, recent, this is January of this year, recent studies saying that you know, what we had thought for like 40 years was the norm, which is that split brain patients kind of experience this whole split personality. He's saying like now that it's false. a fractured dual consciousness. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, that is, that is the, the kind of basics of split brain without, fuck, I can't read these. It's too much. <laughs> um, it's just some of these things. It's like, it's too much medical jargon. I can't fucking do it. That's fair. So, some so I found it on Twitter, and I thought some of the Twitter comments were interesting. Someone asks, I wonder if that could play into mental health issues where people hear voices, but it's just the right-sided brain fucking with the left. That would be cruel of your brain. Right? I mean, mental illness is cruel of your brain. That's anyway. true. Yes. And then uh, that devolved into a whole uh, tiny Rick thing. Because it's Reddit, and of course it did. Of course it did. And then someone asked, maybe, someone said, like, it's a ghost? Like, what if said sign, what if said person knew how to sign sign language? Do you think the ghost conscious would be able to communicate via that? Basically saying, like, the two sides of your brain could communicate to each other via sign language with your hands. That would, so, but that (laughs) raises a question about where... That actually would be a really interesting study to study sign language people or deaf people who, because there's there's the verbal and um, written language brain center, right. and then where is sign language stored in your brain? Like, well, what apparently sign under? language still uses the speech center of the brain. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah. Which I guess That's makes sense because you're still communicating. Well, yeah, but, like, the the way that you, like, reading is different than speech. Like, isn't that stored in a separate part of your brain, or is that stored in the same information processing center? I don't know. That, uh, all I know is that this this Reddit person, again, I'm, com- I'm coming at you from Reddit, that <laughs> the sign language is still using the speech part of the brain. So there's also That's something called alien hand syndrome, is a con- which is a yep. condition in which a person experiences their limbs acting seemingly on their own without control over the actions. The term is used for a variety of clinical conditions and most commonly affects the left hand. Which means the right the right hemisphere of your brain. Yeah. And Man. there's there's also a related topic, if you would like to look into it, called strange love syndrome. Like Dr. Strange Love? Yeah. Gotcha. So conjoined twins sharing one brain. Ooh. Yeah. So like twins sharing a consciousness. What kind of life is that? I know, I know there's- Conjoined? Yeah. Conjoined twins in of themselves are very strange. There was a pair of, con- they're like my favorite pair of conjoined twins were, I can't remember their name. It was like, um, oh God, it was this, this pair of conjoined twin men who were joined at the, literally like the hip. I think they shared a lower torso. Yeah. Um, and one of them was an alcoholic and the other one wasn't. And one of them had a tendency to violence and the other one didn't. And there was an incident, like it was the granddaughter was telling the story, I was reading an interview. There was an incident where one of them got into a bar fight and 
w- the other one was not involved. Except, except for, for the lower torso. To be, yeah. Except for the lower torso. Um, and when the police came to arrest the twin who had started the fight, they couldn't incarcerate him because that would be wrongfully accusing. That would also be wrongfully incarcerating his twin brother, oh my God. who had nothing to do with yeah. it. Yeah. So the moral of this story is: if you're going to start fights, be a pair of conjoined twins. <laughs> And one of you will get in trouble for it, but they can't, they can't incarcerate you both. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. Do you, so I, I mostly looked this up because I thought it would lead to a bigger discussion via us. Cause it's like, yeah, there's a lot of information, but a lot of it's medical jargon that I don't fucking understand. Right. But what do you think? Do you think that split vein syndrome could be a real thing or, or what? I think the well, one that really, that really, um, points out to me are those cases where it's like there's the one guy who like was about to smack his wife and the other hand like came out and stopped him stuff like that is weird to me because it's like you're taking that person's word that there's a part of themselves acting independently Mm -hmm. you know so i don't don't know i don't know how i feel about that i feel like it might have something to do with impulse control possibly because it's it's definitely shown that, like, younger people, kids, for instance, they've done studies about delayed gratification in children. The way mm-hmm. that they study this is the most ridiculous because it's basically they give a kid a marshmallow and they say, you can eat this now. Or if we wait 15 minutes, I'll give you – and you haven't eaten the marshmallow, I'll give you two marshmallows. Yeah. And so it's basically if the kid can control their own impulses enough to wait for the larger reward – that shows that they have impulse control. They can delay gratification, and that's a shown a, a sign of brain development. That's good. I um, feel like crows can do the same thing. I know crow. I love crows. I love corvids. So crows much. are great. Crows are so good. They can delay gratification. Also, they're super smart. It scares me. I love um, them, but I love them. You made yeah. a fucking stabby robot. You're not allowed to be afraid of smart birds. <laughs> I love crows so much. Listen, I used to feed the crows. Um, another thing, crows. I learned the I learned the crows behind the mall where I used to go to school had a word for me. They had a call for me that I recognized because I used to feed them dog food. Um, because oh they're omnivores. The so I used to. Are you telling me the Stonestown yeah. crows listen to you? Yeah. They oh knew. God. No, not that they listened to me, but they knew who I was. Oh my god! Because. What I would do is, because I have, for those of you who don't know, I have pink hair. Yes. I've had pink hair for a while. Yes. Um, and so on days when I, I would park my car behind the mall, and on my way, to, on my walk to school, I would feed the crows dog food. Um, if I had my hood up or if I had an umbrella, none of the crows would come to me. But then as soon as I took the hood off or I lowered an umbrella... I would hear this short three cause and then be immediately swarmed by crows. Oh my god. Which I think is the crows signaling each other that I was there. The person with the food is here. Um, crows are amazing and I love them. I love them. They I are love them. But the, point, the fucking best. The point here being The point here being if the ability to control your impulses, the ability to delay gratification or to monitor your own actions is located in one hemisphere over the other it's possible that part of your body could begin to do an action that you imagined Mm -hmm. before the other half of your brain could rein that in yeah so like if say your right side of your brain is just kind of like no don't lick that thing because you want to or whatever yeah but by the time it get because your hemispheres are separated, by the time the action 
to like bring that thing to your face has registered with the other side of your brain. Your tongue is already it's stuck already to begun. The pole. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too late. It's too late. You're already stuck. You're already stuck. It's November in Wisconsin, and you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't. Well, so I don't know. Like it. It seems to me like there are some cases of legitimate split brain syndrome. I feel like there hasn't been like this. The guy who says that it, it's absolutely like. It doesn't exist. It doesn't lead to split consciousness. He says that he has to go back and do more research because then this would be disproving that something something that was like generally accepted in the medical field for a while, like even but like on a small, small scale, like it definitely. Yeah. They're saying like doesn't affect everyone who's gone through the procedure. But it does exist. But it does exist. So I'm interested to see what his further research will come back with because I'm curious as to then what the explanation is for those other cases. Well, that's why I was thinking it might have something to do with impulse control. Because, like, the guy who one hand was trying to hit his wife and the other hand stopped him. It might be that the side of his brain, one side of his brain was thinking about hitting his wife. And a lot of times it's shown that, like, when you do something... When you are doing an action, yeah. you just think about it and it happens. Yeah. It's like, I imagine picking up a cup. Oh, look, I'm picking up a cup. Yeah. Um, It's not like a conscious thing necessarily to do something. You just do it. Right. Um, So if he's imagining hitting his wife in one side of his brain, and then the other side of his brain's like, no, that's a bad idea. Right. But the signal to stop the hand hasn't reached that side of the brain yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe the other hand's gotten the signal because it's connected to the brain that said stop don't do that right uh i also think it's like the kid paul s is interesting the 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 two sides of his brain answering the question differently Mm -hmm. one answering logically and the other one answering un illogically i guess uh which apparently my brain how do they question different sides of his brain i would think probably just by showing a question instead of asking it verbally so just like visually okay yeah um, that's the only thing I can think of. It doesn't go into exactly what the study did. But it's right. like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, so I guess that part of my brain that's illogical kind of fucking took over. <laughs> Since I went into fucking film. Well, there's, like, there's the, the risk-taking nature. Like, the thing, who, the, the part of your you that is more acceptable and willing to take risks. And then there's the part of you that's, like, the more cautious. And yeah. maybe we shouldn't do that. That's like everyone says, like, they got that little voice in their head. And that's always also um, intrusive thoughts. Yes. Like, the the thought, like, um, if you're driving a car and you have the thought, like, man, I could just turn my wheel right now and I would barrel straight into the side of the highway yep. or something. Um, there's a French word for it called, the, it, I'm not going to say the French. That's okay. To, so I don't offend Savannah. But it translates <laughs> into the call of the void. Oh, Okay. Um, which is basically, it's the urge to jump from high places whenever you stand near, like, a cliff or the edge of a building. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the irrational urge you get to do something dangerous. Um, and it, those are called intrusive thoughts, and, like, everybody has them. It's just kind of like that one thought, it's like, man, what if I just picked up that leaf and ate it? Mm -hmm. Just, like, random stuff that makes no sense, but your brain still thinks it. Yeah. And maybe if you're, you're... Brain, your hemispheres were separated part of you just says the first thing that comes to mind maybe yeah which could be like i want to be an automobile driver well then i want to be a race car then man here's another thing that i don't have any research up 
how how does this idea of a split brain then go into like Tourette syndrome? Mate, I don't know. Is it because it's like some of these things are impulses, Tourette's, right. or because some of them are like a shake or something like that, but some of them are more impulse minded, I guess that you could like it, it comes in many forms. But well, I'm that wondering... has to do with. A lot of times, because like a lot of times people with Tourette's syndrome, it, it uh, manifests itself. And I think this is the stereotype way, I think. Uh-huh. It manifests itself as like randomly swearing. But that's not true. It doesn't, it's not really what happens when you have Tourette's. I know that. That, for some people, it's true. Yeah, but not, and, not but, every. No, I know, case but I'm saying like, like it's, no. you're right. It's a stereotypical like response to if you have Tourette's, it's like, oh, you, you scream out like cuss words at random intervals. Yeah. And it's like, that's not even the most common form of Tourette's but no uh but it still goes into like some of them like that are like impulse control things almost exactly maybe yeah um because there's also just that there could be ticks that you do that that mm-hmm. are your Tourette's um or it's, it's all kind of different things but I'm wondering if that maybe has something to do with a lack of communication or a, a, a labored communication between your hemispheres yeah, maybe maybe the neurons between certain impulses and the ability to prevent them are just not firing. And since we know no fucking nothing about the human brain, we can just sit here and make these assumptions because we have no fucking idea. We can speculate wildly, despite neither of us being brain doctors nope. or scientists of any sort of biology. And if one of you is a brain doctor, maybe you know more. Actually, we could probably ask Ed. Anyway, if one- we could probably ask Ed. If one of you is a... Ed, if you're listening, tell us, please. Yeah, I think he does listen. Um... Ed, please. Yes. Uh, tell us, like, how we're wrong, but, like, honestly, I want to know, like, it, does it have something to do with the two hemispheres of your brain or, and, and its lack of communication? Because it didn't say anything about Tourette's and split brain syndrome, so obviously that's not something that they've considered, like, Tourette's is a symptom or a cause, or not a cause, uh, a, what's the term I'm looking for? It's not a symptom, it's a side effect. I do not Side know. effect. Okay. Of your corpus callosum is what i keep saying it i think mm-hmm. uh being split yeah. but maybe it still has something to do with that communication between the the two hemispheres of your brain i don't know because i am oh, not no. a scientist no nope. but i would be interested to find out well, that was really neat yeah. that was that was because i've heard of that before but yeah that raised some interesting debate it does interesting conversation it's a it's a conversation starter for sure so if you're like at a party because you know it's getting around that time you got to go to holiday parties and you're running out of things yeah. to talk to just say hey have you ever heard of split brain syndrome and if you're at a party and you really don't want someone to keep talking to you you can just bring up hey do you watch making a murderer edward edwards did it and then start talking about that uh i'll leave you alone i feel like that will work 50 percent of the time 50 percent of the time yeah depends on Depends on who you're talking right. about. Right. So, like, because let's be real. Like, we started this podcast because we were inspired by My Favorite Murder. Yes. Which is an extremely popular podcast. Uh, so, clearly, lots of people are interested in murder. <laughs> so, that I might would also not like work. to, as, as my list, uh, in the list of inspirations, I would like to uh, list the Leonard Nimoy TV show from the 60s where he talks about weird, mysterious stuff. What? That was a thing? That was a thing. Leonard Nimoy uh, in the late 60s, early 70s was the voiceover dude for a, a 
TV show that talked about weird, mysterious things like the Bermuda Triangle oh, or that that's one awesome. holograph tested it on plants. Yeah, that's awesome. I my mom got me the DVD box set of that, and I'm like, oh, oh yes, this is this is everything I could want. Oh my god, that's so cool though. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, what's the takeaway from this? Um, brains are an enigma. The takeaway is that we know nothing about brains. The brain named itself. We know that. The brain named itself. This is just more brains attempting to figure themselves out. Yeah. This has been a multi-millennium. The human condition is a multi-millennium brain search to figure itself out. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we have no fucking idea what makes you tick. Uh, nope. There's like, hey, split brain syndrome is a thing. And then this year someone's like, it's not. But then it's like, okay, but what about this? We don't fucking know. We don't know. That's, there's just so much we don't know. That's the takeaway. We don't know shit. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's it. That's the takeaway. The takeaway from this is that we honestly don't know anything, especially about the human brain. And it's like, we know more about space than we do about deep ocean. It's like, shit we should know more about, we just don't. Please. We're never gonna know things. What? Like. Why know, know things? Why know things? When you can just speculate wildly. That's what this podcast is. That's why we're here. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so if we're all done with our stories, we are. We have a couple of emails that we got. Yay, emails! Yay, emails. We got By the um, way, I just want to say uh, so that um so that Savannah doesn't get mad at me. I was thinking of Lord Richard Attenborough. <laughs> So, yeah. Richard Attenborough or David Attenborough? Richard. Okay. Yeah, Richard was the one who was the, the in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Is it Attenborough? Yeah, it's Attenborough. Okay. You're like question they're are you they're sure? like brothers, aren't they? David and Richard? Yeah. They're brothers. What? What are you talking about? David Is Attenborough was an English naturalist. Yeah. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Richard Attenborough, the actor. Yeah, David. Oh, you're thinking about the actor. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the. I thought you were talking about the character. No. I was talking about the actor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, okay, they were brothers. <laughs> I was so confused because I was talking about the character, and I was just kind of like, the character in Jurassic Park is not David Attenborough's brother. What's going on? Well, no, no. Yes, the actor. The actor, the actor that makes so much is. Sense. <laughs> Yes. Richard Attenborough no, is correct. the older yes. brother of David Attenborough. Yes. Yes. It all, it's all coming together. We're figuring it out. Okay. That was a really weird disconnect we had right there. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. So yeah, Lord Richard Attenborough, um, may he rest in peace. I So yes, we did get a, a number of emails. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a, a couple of shout outs. There are Houston... Listener Pedro gave us a shout out. Thank you, Pedro. Um, thank you, Pedro. Um, I Pedro says I streamed your show for eight, ten hours straight today, which is like so much. That is a lot. Like I don't know if I could stand my voice for ten hours. I mean, um, yeah, you're about to find out, kind of. I'm about to find. Out. Uh, and then um, uh, our listener Kitty sent an email that just said, "Okay, but consider this." cylinder planet theory i mean there's more than that yes but just like not flat earth not a globe cylinder planet it's a cylinder it's like a it's like a happy medium between the two yes what um, the fuck but would no, a cylinder planet kidding. look like a cylinder yeah but how would it 
function? How does a flat Earth function? I don't know. That see, that still makes more sense than a fucking cylinder Earth, though. How the does it like flat, but also like does gravity still function properly? Like well, gravity just pulls you towards the center of mass. So then, like, what do people on the corners of the cylinder do? They just experience less gravity because they're further away from the center of mass. I want someone to write a story about a cylinder planet. So basically, everybody on the curve of the cylinder, closest to the center of mass, like closest to the middle, yeah. would experience the most gravity, and everything on the flat face at the very ends would experience less gravity. You'd be lighter at different parts of the planet. Okay. Again. Which is why it doesn't make sense, because mass is drawn equally to the center of mass. Doesn't make sense. So it's great. a globe, people. So great. Um, no. Kitty was just Kitty was just kidding. Yeah, she was just kidding, but um, still. Now, now I want someone to write about just it. Just kidding. Uh, we also have another email from Kyle, mm-hmm. who drives trucks, the noble profession of big rig truckers. Um, yep. Fun fact, my, my grandfather was a big rig trucker. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. Kyle my gave us dead. a suggestion that we're not yeah, going to say. which is... Because... No, because we're, we're going to look into yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to look into that. A lot of you guys are giving us yeah. great suggestions, and I feel like, I don't know... We have done a couple of them, but, like, a lot of them are bummers, and then I'm just like, I don't want to do a bummer, and then you're just like, I'm in. I'm here. Hello, yes. Um, but, and I already know what I'm doing next week, and it's a, it's a bummer. I already know what I'm doing next week, and it should be a roaring good time. Uh, is that sarcasm? No. Okay, good. It should legitimately be pretty okay, great. Anyway, we're going um, second next time. Yes. Uh, also, a, our unnamed, I don't know, well, not unnamed, but I don't know where Shady is from. Yeah. Our unlocated correspondent shady has sent us some childhood conspiracy theories and a fun common cult so fun (laughs) fun yeah uh do you want to read part of this or i'll read i'll read the i'll read the the second point which the first point is forgot to mention in my last email i'm a boy thank you shady thank Thank you for letting us know thank you that helps immensely so number two is um in elementary school, my friends and I came up with a real actual conspiracy theory involving the school's boiler room, since no one ever told us what it was and none of us ever asked. We believed that children would go missing, sucked into the boiler room, but only the students with the best grades. We believed this because we had the best grades and we were paranoid freaks. We even constructed an illustrated short story about how the culprit behind the missing children of boiler room was none other than our poor janitor, Mr. Moss, who I wish to formally apologize to because in our story, we claimed that he kidnapped good students and locked them in the boiler room so they could teach him how to read. Our second grade teacher found our story so funny that she actually showed it to poor Mr. Harmless Mr. Moss. Poor Harmless Mr. Moss. She probably only found it funny because she did not know we actually believed it. (laughs) Oh, dang. Yeah. Miss poor Mr. Moss. Poor he's, Mr. Just, Ma- he's just trying I mean, to clean. He has a sense of humor. Hopefully, yes. Oh man, second grade conspiracy theories. Yeah. Kids. Um. Kids. <laughs> uh, he, number three of this email is here's a more interesting point of knowledge and experience. I was raised in a cult. It was more of a dollar store brand cult, the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I've also known several Jehovah's Witnesses in my life. I don't know if they would call themselves a cult i would you wouldn't all right chelsea would um who would technically be firmly named a high control group though a relatively common modern branch of christianity their teachings and methods are just as creepy as any more widely entertaining and horrifying cult people who leave the truth as they call it suffer from the same symptoms as people who leave brand name cults which is why i use the term uh i like i love this analogy of like 
Your discount clearance cult. Yeah. <laughs> your bargain brand cult. As you do. Um, as you do. Uh, it's just an idea if you're looking for a cult to talk about. And if you happen to be looking for a guest in your show, I'd, I happen to know an awful lot, both objective and subjective. Maybe. Um, for some funny info, I recommend looking up the Australian Supreme Court case against them for harboring 1,006 pedophiles. Holy Or to watch fuck. their videos for kids titled One Man, One Woman. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. That's, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it does. Is this Australia? Because Australia's going through that whole vote thing right now, and it, shit has Australia's gotten crazy. Australia's going through a lot. Shit has gotten crazy. Like, everyone makes fun of the U.S. for going crazy, but I don't know if you were seeing what's going on in Australia holy shit they're about to vote on uh marriage equality and yep. people have lost their fucking minds yep i mean we kind of also did in america when that not nearly as much as the australians have i feel people be crazy People be crazy like and i realize we are the country that elected trump and i get that like i know yep. i know we we don't have really a leg to stand on a lot of these no. arguments however australia needs to get your shit together um, so yeah, that was that was it as far as our stories and our emails this week. Awesome. Yeah. That was a fairly um, concise podcast. It was pretty dang short. A lot of this is going to end up being removed because it's just us being like, uh, where did I put that source? Yeah. Uh. Which is fine because last week it was like two hours. That's true. Yes, you get a nice short bite-sized one this week, yeah. listeners. Bite-sized an hour and a half. Yeah, an hour and a half. <laughs> Um, a little less than an hour and a half can be called bite-sized. Yeah, for um, us, I guess, yeah. Yeah. So, if you would like to rate, review, subscribe, email, or contact us in any way, that would be great. You can reach us at our email, which is... CultCryptidsConspiracies at gmail.com. Or you can shout out to us at our Twitter, which is... C3 Podcast. Hopefully, we'll... Post the compare. I'll, I'll do my best to remember to post the comparison pictures of Edward Edwards. And let me tell you, um, he looks like a fat Richard Attenborough from Jurassic Park. I swear to God, in that one photo. In one of the photos, he does. Yeah, because yeah. it's like the way he, he dressed too. Does. He's got a cane. Yeah, way. he he's got a cane. He's dressed. Up, he's got like a little beard thing going on. Yeah. He's got the hat. He's the whole fat thing. Richard Attenborough. In the other two pictures, he is not he's dressed as such. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to review on iTunes, especially, that's super helpful for us. Yep. It helps more people find, find us. us. If you want to tell your friends about it, that would be great. Yep. Um, if, if you, you want to tell if you know your... someone who understands how podcasts work, you should tell them because we don't fucking know. We have no idea what we're nope. doing. We're just talking into microphones. We're talking into microphones, editing it and throwing it up. And somehow you guys are still finding us. We're shoving this podcast into a bottle and throwing it into the ocean. Like one day someone will find and it. And somehow you guys have found us and we really appreciate it. So yeah, tell your friends, uh, tell the split consciousness self that is your removed hemisphere. Um, tell Fat Richard tell, Attenborough. Tell Fat Richard Attenborough. <laughs> Go buy John Cameron's book. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Live your life. Do all Be that happy. stuff. Um, Do everything. Be safe. Don't Be safe. get murdered by the ghost of Edward Edwards because someone who's that murderous in life, possibly also that murderous in death. We need to talk about ghosts more. We should talk about ghosts more. We gotta do the Winchester Mystery House. We have to have, like, do... We, we do. should do a podcast in the Winchester Mystery House. We gotta get clearance from that. Yeah. That's... Don't... Turn turn away, listeners. This is secret podcast secret conversation. Secret podcast this conversation. You can't hear this part. Um, all right. Well, that's all I got, Chelsea. That's all I got, Christina. 
Um, so, thank you for letting me stare at your beautiful face for an hour and a half. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, thank you for watching your beautiful face as your room gets progressively darker and darker. Yeah, it's kind of hot in here right now because of the sun. But... It got so dark all of a sudden. Yeah. Like it was like there were lights on at the beginning of this. No, there wasn't. It was just the sun coming through because my window faces fucking west. Uh, it was yeah. just the sun. And now now the sun is gone. Almost. It's like it's like next to the hills right now. And with the sun, so do we <laughs> return to the earth for another week. Yep. We will see you then, listeners. Yep. Have a have a safe week. Don't don't die. Bye, Chelsea. Bye, Christina. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.